like we've done, we're going to work through this verse, but I want to start off as we're talking about joy. Joy. Got to be honest, this was hard to prepare for. This is a little bit hard. And the reason it was hard is I started thinking back and I started thinking, joy, what is it exactly? What is it? Is it is it any different from happiness? I see some nods. What's interesting is I think I completely agree that in the world, the way we discuss things, a lot of times if you have to have a, a category, if you have to say things, then Christians have joy and the world can have happiness. Or Christians can have joy and happiness, but the world can't have joy. What's interesting is that's true to a degree. Now, in Scripture, though, whenever happiness, joy, contentment, other things are used, they're used interchangeably. It's okay. So to say happy and joy in the Scriptures is actually, they're very close. It's not, there's not much difference. But when you compare it to the world's using of happiness or joy, then there's a difference, if that makes sense. So, what I thought was, you'll turn with me real quick to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. And it should be up on the screen. Listen to what, listen to what Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Right? We know that song. Some of, we know, some of us know that song. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Can I be open and honest with you? There's some times that I don't feel like rejoicing. There's some times in life it's not there. So I said, in a particular moment, some of you are aware I've shared this before, we were in Turkey, and while we were there, uh, we had a miscarriage, and we lost one of our, our babies. And I remember, came home from the procedure and everything we had to do, and I remember being there, and I remember taking a shower, and I was just thinking, and God was hitting me with, with this verse, I started to go, well, you know what? Maybe all Scripture isn't inspired, Paul. Maybe this is just Paul's words. And Paul, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't get it, Paul. It's hard to rejoice always. Because I'm not rejoicing at this moment. I'm hurting. You ever been there? Are you there? It hurts. And then, thought of a passage. 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 8 to you. No, I'll read 8 through 11 to you. Listen, Paul, same Paul that said rejoice always, right? Listen to what Paul says here. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. Talking, he's writing the church of Corinth, and he's saying, I don't want you to, we don't want to, we want you to be aware of what happened. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength 
that we despaired of life itself. Things were so bad, Paul wanted to die. Get that? Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope. Remember? Our hope, our anchor. That He will deliver us again. You also must be must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. He's talking about going around in his evangelism. But what, I, what hit me there was rejoice in the Lord always. Paul, you don't understand to it was so bad I wanted to die. How can, how can we have both? What's Paul talking about? As I work through that, as we work through that as a family, there was always something there. No matter how bad it got, how much we would think about it, how much it would hurt, there was always hope there. Because if this life is all there is, there's not much hope. And there's certainly nothing to be joyful about overall. But if this, for a Christian, is the worst it ever gets, think about that. If you're a Christian, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you've believed in His virgin perfect birth and His sinless life and His death on the cross in our place for our sins as a sacrifice, and after three days He rose for our salvation where God said, yes, the sacrifice is good, and He poured out His wrath, and He rises and He goes to heaven and He's coming back. If you've believed in that, then guess what? What you're experiencing in this life is the worst it will ever be. It will never get worse. And it's hard, but you can still have hope in Christ, peace in Christ, joy in Christ. If you're not a Christian, if you've not believed in Christ, guess what? And I hate to say this to you, but I have to. This is the best it's ever going to get. This is the best. And we know that this world just isn't right. So I'm struggling with, Paul, what's going on? When it comes to joy, it is an emotion. Some will say, well, happiness is, a joy, uh, is an emotion and joy isn't. No, it is an emotion. It's a deep emotion. And there's actually ways, the, the fact that we're made in the image of God, that we can find joy. There's different natures or aspects of joy. Some have said that there's a natural joy, meaning into nature, there is a joy you can have by being out in nature, whether you're a Christian or not. It lacks a little bit because you can't praise the one who made it. But there's a beauty out there. Have you ever been with a non-Christian and they'll tell you that it's beautiful, they love the water, they love the, the, the mountains, they love the forest, whatever? That's part of being made in the image of God. There is a, a joy that comes from that. There's nothing wrong with that. Social joy when things are right with family, friends, others. There's a joy when all your relationships are smooth for that three minutes that that actually happens, right? When all your relationships are going well. 
Your kids are talking, brothers and sisters are talking, mom and dad, everyone's okay. There's a joy that comes with that. Vocational, your work. I would say extend this to hobbies, things you're into. There's a joy that you have in doing some of that. Some of you are like, I don't enjoy my work at all. Okay, that's all right. Sometimes people really enjoy their work, or at least their hobbies, hunting, fishing, sewing, whatever it is, quilting. Physical joy, when you're just feeling good. Your your body's feeling good. You're experiencing great things. Intellectual joy, when you figure out an answer to something understand things, there's a joy that comes. These are all natural. These all come for the fact that we're made in the image of God. And then just humor. Joy that comes from when you see something on TV or somebody else here or on Facebook, and it's just funny. Especially like the little faces that dogs make on, or cats or kids or whatever. It's just, there's joy. And there's one more. I think you know what I'm talking about. There's spiritual joy. And this one is different than the other ones. And it's more powerful. And it's deeper. And what's interesting is you can only have that from God. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. We talked about peace, right? Joy. It comes from the fruit of the Spirit. So, for you to have this type of joy, you need who? Who do you need inside of you? You need Jesus' Spirit. You need God's Spirit inside of you. So that way, you can have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all these. And so for you to have this true joy, you need God's Spirit inside of you. So a non-Christian can't have this. You need to be forgiven of your sins, freed from that, freed from sin. That's where that joy comes from. And what's interesting is someone could have everything in nature, social, vocational, physical, intellectual, humor, and if they don't have joy in Christ, they truly don't have joy overall. And they can be miserable. They can have it all and be miserable. And you see it all the time. You see it all the time on the news. Some movie star, someone who has it all, commits suicide. Because they don't have it all. They think they do, but they don't. On the flip side, every one of those other ones could be going bad. And you're not having joy because your body is just deteriorating and it's hurting. You're not having social joy because there's these conflicts going on or family members or there's death or there's sickness and you don't have joy in any one of those things. But if you have Christ, you have a deep joy that He can give you that surpasses all understanding. Because the world's going, well, do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have this? Do you have that? Well, then you should be joyful or not. And that doesn't add up. That's not how we're made. We need something else. I didn't have joy in those other areas during that season in Turkey. But there was still joy. I'm going to ask Caleb. Caleb, can you, I want you to listen to just a, a couple seconds of a song that God, go ahead, buddy. That God showed me.
That's good, buddy. Hit stop. Thank you. Do you know that song? Have you heard it like that very often? No, I hadn't either. Here's, that was speaking to my heart. That's how Paul can say, rejoice in the Lord always. Because there's this deep spiritual joy that no matter what else is going on, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Romans 8. Nothing. So deep down, even though the emotion isn't there as far as everything else going, and I'm excited, if you have Christ, you can have this deep, deep joy. All right, let's get into Peter. That was the intro. (laughs) Go to 1 Peter. We're going to work through these verses. Thank you, buddy. Walk. And what I want you to see here is Peter lays the framework of the gospel for us, and then he talks about this joy. Okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A couple things that stood out to me that I wanted to share with you. According to His great mercy, something about mercy... Is that means you've done something wrong? But God's going to overlook that. And it is a great mercy, because guys, <laughs> we do a lot wrong. But by His great mercy, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which again, for Him to be resurrected means He had to what? Die. He had to die on the cross in our place for our sins. So, through the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Christ, we have this, going back a couple weeks, living hope this living hope that we have, that we've been given by God. Now listen to this. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept for you in heaven. This is an encouraging word right here. The inheritance that we're given, every spiritual blessing, ultimately God, Jesus. He's our inheritance. We're with Him. And everything he gets, we get. Now, here's the thing. Most of us, if we were in charge of that, it'd be a problem. Some of us would would forget it. That's where I would be. I would actually forget it somewhere. My inheritance, a special gift, I'd forget it somewhere. I'd lose it. Some of us would mess it up. Some of us would destroy it. Here's the thing. Look what it says. I'm going to say it another, a different way. Imperishable, this inheritance that's for you, is never ending. It's never going to perish. It's never ending. Undefiled, it's not going to be dirty or messed up in any way. Not contaminated. It's perfect. And unfading, it's not going to grow weak. It's not going to become fragile. It's going to endure. That's your inheritance. And here's the thing. You don't have to keep it. It's being kept for you in heaven. You just have to live in light of it. Isn't that encouraging? That is an encouraging word. Never going to end. It's perfect. Nothing's going to fade. It's going to be there forever. God's keeping it for you. You just enjoy it. Verse 5. So, end of verse 4 there. Unfading, kept in heaven for you. Verse 5. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So, the who that's being spoken about there is... 
you, us, by God's power. Is God powerful? Is there anything he can't logically do? Again, don't get real quick side note here. Sometimes people say, well, is there anything God can't do? Well, can he build a rock so large that he can't lift it? Okay, they're just trying to get, it's just a a logical fallacy they're trying to catch you into. By God's power. But you know what? There are some things that God really can't do. He can't sin. He can't lie. And guess what? If he said that he's going to guard you, guess what? He can't lie about that and he won't fail. He will guard you. He will guard your inheritance and he will guard you forever. It's by God's power you are being guarded through faith. Through faith. We have a part in this, right? It's our faith. For a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Remember, we are saved and we're being saved. Okay? We're saved. Our position is in Christ. That has not been fully realized yet as in the sense of deliverance glorification. We're still waiting on that to happen. Verse 6. In this you rejoice. In these things you rejoice. There's our joyful word. Now listen. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Don't be surprised about the trials. They're part of it. Flip over to James chapter 1. Just go to the left. One book over. James chapter 1. It should be up here as well. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes and the dispersion. Greetings. Listen to this. Verse 2 and verse 3. Listen. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. Wait a second. We were talking about that joy thing. Don't forget. There's a spiritual joy that exists even when these trials come. That's why he can say this. James can say it too. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. Here's part of why. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Can I encourage you with something today I need you to hear? Listen. Your God wastes nothing. You ever thought of that? He doesn't waste anything. So when these trials, these hard times come, when life just isn't adding up, here's the thing. It's not for, oh, it's a waste. There's no meaning to it. There's absolutely meaning. He allows it. He oversees you through it. And you come out more like Jesus. It doesn't always feel that way. I know it's hard. Listen, I know it's hard. But he doesn't waste it. Don't let your suffering, don't let your trials be wasted. He's not letting them be wasted. He's working in you. An eternal weight of glory. Here, I need you to see. Go over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We've talked on this one before. Listen, 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, 
but the things that are unseen are eternal. All these trials, everything that goes on, that's what we can see. We can see those things, but guess what? Those go away. It's the eternal unseen that goes on forever. So that's why when these trials come, we in faith have to count it all joy because we don't see it. That's where faith comes in. We don't, I don't understand this. Roy, I don't understand it. What's going on? He needs to say, brother, look to the things that are unseen, not to the things that are seen. God keeps His promises. He's working this for your good. He's working all these things out. And He's not going to waste it. And so when we encounter suffering, what we do is we point to Christ. We look to Him ourselves. Others come around and say, it's okay, I know this is a hard season. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. God's keeping this this inheritance for you. He's keeping you by His power. Look to Christ. And then we point others to Christ. And that's when they see our suffering, when they see these pains, and they go, "How how are you still joyful? How do you still praise God when all these things are going bad? We point to Christ because we believe in faith these promises, these good things that He has for us. Because He never lies. He can't. And He's going to keep all this together. Let's finish up in 1 Peter. Go back to 1 Peter. Back to verse 6 again. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. You get the idea of the fire there being difficult? The trials linked to the fire? Do you know how gold is purified? Many of you know this. You've heard this. Put gold and you heat it up. And everything that's not supposed to be there, the impurities and things, rises to the top. The dross, I think is what it said. And they scoop that off there. And you're left with gold. He's making a connection there for us and he's saying, your life, your soul, these trials come and it heats it up. And the impurities, the sin, the difficulties, the struggles come up and God scoops it away. And you become more and more like His Son. And with that, we rejoice. Listen to how Peter finishes it. You're tested by fire, may be found to result may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. All that's done so that at the end there will be praise, glory, and honor. And here it ends, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him. Okay? We believe in faith. And then this is where it all comes together. As we remember what he's just said, and you rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Even if all the other things aren't going well, you still praise and have joy. And you say, Lord, I love you. You don't waste anything. You, I didn't deserve it. You've chosen me. I'm your son. You've adopted me and your family. That's never going to change. And no matter how bad things get, You always have me. And things can never get... Realize this. 
If this is a little scale of how bad things can get in this life, again, remember, as for the Christian, that's as bad as it's ever going to get, but realize that on that scale, it stops when God says stop. Your sufferings, your trials cannot go any further than God allows them to go. And when he allows them to go there, he's doing that out of love for you because it's going to make you more like his son. So you, uh, we all respond in joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Last verse, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. All this is working that direction. So what do we do with this? Have Roy come on up, Amelia, for the response. Here's how we respond. I don't know where you are, many of you, in your life right now with those other categories. There may be things in life that just aren't going very well. And it's hard to have that happy, bubbly, joyful side of things in those other areas. But here's the thing. If you know the king, put your hope in him, be filled with his spirit, walking in step with God's spirit, reading his word, praying, being with other believers, and let the fruit of the spirit, specifically joy, just come out of you. And then that way you can praise Him and rejoice even with all these other things going poorly and continually point to Him. If you don't know Him today, if you don't know Him, you're missing out and you're never truly going to find the joy you can have in the Savior. Trust in Him today. I'll, cl- I'll go ahead and close this in prayer and then Royal take over for the uh, invitation. Father, we love You and we thank You for this time. Lord, I pray right now for... My brothers and sisters in this room, Lord, I pray that they would put their anchor of hope in you. They would be filled with your spirit and they would find great joy, spiritual joy in the salvation of their souls and the fact that you have their inheritance in heaven. You're guarding it. You're watching over it. You're watching over them. And they always have you. Help us to be used by you to love one another through these trials, Lord. And help us to have this, this joy just overflowing. And Father, for those who may be in here, who are in here and they don't know you, they've never tasted true joy, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day that they respond. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.